Hello, and welcome back to the Get With The Grow podcast, where we discuss intriguing and important topics like what are the Grove Youth Wellness Hubs, mental health, and much more. Today, we have a very special guest, author of Learning to Live and Mental Health Activist, Noah. Noah, would you like to start off with a short introduction about yourself and your story? Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, My name is Noah Irvin from Guelph, Ontario. Uh, I have been a mental health advocate for the last five years and uh, recently uh, self-published a book called Learning to Live. So what inspired you to write that book and could you talk a little bit about that process? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that inspired me to write the book was uh, was out of boredom. Um, uh, under the COVID lockdown, I didn't really have anything else to do. And uh, a lot of people said they were going to write a book through COVID. And I guess I'm uh, one of the few that actually did. Um, and uh, and in that, uh, was able to write it in about uh, 30 days. So uh, I was pretty busy when I wrote it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So um, what led you to becoming a mental health advocate as well? So in 2005, um, lost my mom to a suicide. Uh, and then in 2015, I lost my father to a prescription drug overdose. Uh, it was after the death of my father that I started to advocate uh, to all levels of government on uh, mental health and addictions uh, services and supports. So on the topic of mental health advocacy, what do you think has been the hardest part of your journey so far? Yeah, I think the, uh, the hardest part for, for me was uh, getting responses from uh, all levels of government. Yeah. Um, you know, I worked pretty hard to get in and talk with the Prime Minister, uh, to speak with uh, Cabinet Ministers across Canada. But I think that's the hardest part is uh, netting responses uh, as I go forward uh, through this journey. What would you say is your biggest accomplishment so far? Yeah, I think uh, there's a couple that come to mind. Uh, obviously, I, I spoke with uh, the Prime Minister uh, in 2017. I was privileged to speak uh, and meet with the Lieutenant Governor of the Province of Saskatchewan in uh, in 2018. And then, uh, obviously, uh, doing my book, uh, I think those are uh, some, some of the highlights. Um, obviously, uh, there's a lot more work to do, but I think those would, uh, would be some of the highlights. Yeah, for sure. So we know that our mental health system is currently pretty broken, and it allows for a lot of people to kind of slip through the cracks. So what would you say um, are some challenges that people face while seeking mental health services in Canada? Yeah, I'd say uh, access to services is a big one. Uh, that one's often uh, discussed as, uh, as as the primary. Uh, obviously, in Ontario, uh, mental health services are not covered under OHIP. Um, so I would say that's another substantial issue is the cost. Uh, more broadly, uh, I think uh, there's, there's still an issue uh, with regard to people coming forward uh, to... Uh, to receive services. And uh, as we move forward and more people become comfortable, a larger and larger issue is going to be, you've got more people speaking and uh, the issue is going to be, uh, we don't have the service capacity to support those individuals. So I, I, I'd say those are, those are kind of the, the big ones that I, I can think of. Yeah. Um, I would definitely agree. I think it's super important to kind of break the stigma around that some people kind of have created around speaking out about mental health and getting help and things like that. Um, So on that topic, what would you think is the most common misconception that people have about someone living 
with an addiction or um, a mental illness? Uh, I, I'd say the common misconception um, for, for our family uh, that we faced with my mom and my dad was the idea that um, that just because they were in a home environment that uh, treated them well and, and were able to get access to services that everything was fine. Just because you can procure access to services does not mean your mental health or addictions has gone overnight. Uh, you know, and I think that was it was a huge issue for both my both my parents. They lived with the stigma, um, and I think they attempted to present themselves as doing better than they than they were. Um, and I and I would say that that was the largest issue that my my family faced, and, and that's the one that I can speak to uh, most readily. Yeah. So what was it like for you to be growing up in, in that environment? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, and I noted in the book, it was a challenge to say the least. I mean, uh, my earliest memories are of domestic violence. Um, you know, and, and I would say that as I've gotten older, I, I think I've realized the, the substantial impact that uh, the environment that I grew up in had on me. Um, I'm okay with saying now that I, I have a mental illness. Uh, doesn't define who I am and it never will. Uh, it's a part of me. Uh, I would say though that when I was younger, I felt that I was fine. I, I perceived myself as fine. And uh, looking back on it, I can definitely say that the environment that I, that I lived in uh, had a substantial impact on uh, who I am today. Yeah. So is there something that you wish that you could tell your younger self now? Like if you had to look back and give your younger self some advice, what would you say? Uh, to talk about it sooner. Uh, I had hid this for a, a very long time. Uh, part of this was hiding it, but another part of it was not really understanding what it was. Um, you know, I, I've been and had probably symptoms of a mental illness since I was about five or so. Uh, so I would say the biggest thing is to talk about it sooner because uh, there's no reason why I should have been af afraid to do that. Uh, and I would say that, you know, looking back on it, talking about this sooner probably would have helped me uh, long, long term. So is that something that you think like is a piece of advice that you could give to a lot of people is just to, to kind of speak out about it and maybe kind of look into how they're feeling, like talk to somebody about what's going on. Yeah. You know, we, we have to normalize the conversation. Um, I know that uh, there are a lot more who are struggling now who have not said anything. Uh, a big issue for, for me right now is, is breaking down the barrier to men's me uh, mental health. For sure. um, you know, a lot of guys have a huge issue with coming forward about their, their, problems and their struggles. And I'd say that, uh, you know, that was one of the big uh, guiding factors on getting my book to to print was to be that open, uh, to share my story, uh, to hopefully encourage others, um, you know, to become more comfortable with this. I mean, there's no reason why we can't have that uh, open and frank conversation like we do with any physical health. Mm -hmm. um, so I hope I've answered your question on that one. Yeah. 
Um, so what do you think that youth can do to make a change in our mental health system and to aid in getting rid of the stigma around mental health and addiction? You know, obviously speaking about it is, uh, is critically important to removing that stigma, um, becoming more open and, um, and comfortable with the reality that uh, mental health exists. Uh, and it's, it's a, it's a hard road to travel on alone. So to be able to speak out openly is important. Uh, with regard to youth, I would say that youth uh, have a role in becoming involved in policy. Um, at the end of the day, youth are the next generation and they are the ones to inherit uh, the, the system going forward. And they need to be able to have a system that uh, adequately supports and addresses their needs. So I'd say youth getting involved in politics is a, is a huge part of this. Yeah. Yeah. It's very important that that youth kind of speak up and use their voices because, like you said, the youth are kind of the next thing. Like we have a lot in our hands and speaking up and getting involved is is a super great way to make an impact Um on the future and to help out with future generations and, and to kind of help fix the system. Um, so what advice could you give to caregivers, family members, friends, partners, anyone who knows somebody that's living with a mental illness? The advice parts, uh, that's a bit harder for me to speak to. One of the things I think I would say is that, uh, those who are working with very closely with somebody who's mentally ill, uh, there's two things. One, you need to know that it's okay to take a break. Yeah. Uh, that was a huge part for me. I mean, I write about it in my book. I, I needed that break. Uh, and the other part is recognizing the fact that none of it is your fault. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, that was one of the hardest lessons to learn. And I'm still learning that lesson that what, what has happened was outside the bounds of my control. And, uh, and to recognize that is, is so important. So I would say those are the two big ones. Learn to, learn to recognize to take a break mm-hmm. and, uh, and recognize the fact that nothing that's happened is your fault uh, if you're dealing with somebody who's, who's sick. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only so much we can do. Yeah. Um, so I know you just mentioned just taking a break, but throughout your journey, Um, what is something that has like really, really helped you and your wellness? Yeah, I'd say that, uh, for me, the the things that have been super important, uh, have been cycling. Uh, I'm an avid Mm -hmm. cycler, um, shooting sports. I'm big into sports shooting in, in Canada. And the other is, is talking with, with friends and, uh, and normalizing this. Obviously, my story is a, a pretty unique one, and to normalize the conversation around it has been uh, incredibly important for me. Yeah, yeah. so we've kind of touched on um, normalizing the whole topic of like struggling with mental illness and addictions and things like that. So what are some steps that you think that youth can take to kind of move in the direction of normalizing mental illness? I'd say checking on, uh, on your buddies is, mm-hmm. is huge. I mean, um, you know, there's no reason why this should not be as simple as, yeah. as a conversation on the weather. Uh, yeah, really? For sure. I think that's the best way to, uh, to explain that or, or to give an example on that. There's no, there's no reason why this shouldn't be as, as simple as, uh, 
as uh, talking about uh, the weather. Yeah. You know, and I and I would stress that especially for um, young guys, uh, they need to become far more comfortable talking about this because. The, the, the statistics are clear and I, I don't like to preach statistics because at the end of the day, those are people. Yeah. But the statistics are clear that men disproportionately still feel that they cannot talk about this. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, we've got to normalize that uh, conversation and actually mean, are you okay? You yeah. know, when you ask that, you have, yeah. you know, we have to normalize actually meaning that, not yeah. just not just as a as a common conversation piece, but actually mm-hmm. delving into what that answer could be. Yeah, yeah, like wanting to hear the response, wanting to listen, wanting to talk about it, um, that sort of thing. So yeah, I definitely I agree with that. I think that that's it's super important to kind of have those conversations with. Like you're talking men's mental health. It's, it's something that's super, super important and something that should be talked about and should be normalized. So to circle back a little bit to the beginning of our conversation, um, could you just share a little bit like what it was like for you to lose your parents? Like how that had an impact on you? Yeah, obviously the loss of a parent at any age is, is difficult. I mean, uh, you know, our parents are supposed to be, you know, our caregivers are, are, um, we're supposed to love them, um, from start to finish. Uh, for me, um, you know, I, I barely knew or have any real memories of, of my mom. So losing her 17 years ago is incredibly difficult because obviously I'm grieving for somebody I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, for my father and I, and I talk about this in the book is, you know, I knew him. I had a relationship with him. I tried to get him help. At the end of the day, I only saw him, you know, about 154 times in nine years. So losing them was difficult, uh, obviously, but it, it, it also was the loss of, of the hopes and dreams that, uh, that I had for uh, my father. And then it was the, uh, the loss of my mom is difficult still because it's, uh, you know, she's, she's never actually seen me as, as who I am. Yeah. Uh, she's never seen her son grow into, um, you know, a, a boy and then into a man. I mean, she, she barely saw me out of being a toddler. So I think the difficulty, uh, for me is, is obviously great. It's, uh, it's, you know, 17 years later, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm better than I was, but I'm, in no means over it and you never get over something like this. Um, you learn to live with it. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you? What are your goals? What do you have? Do you have anything planned for the future? So I would, uh, obviously like to finish undergrad, uh, still haven't finished that. Um, but then beyond that, I would like to go to law school in uh, 2024. So that's, uh, you know, it's going to be a significant uh, journey to get there, but it's, uh, it's an exciting journey. Um, I never thought I would be in undergrad, let alone looking at going to law school. So to be able to say that I'm looking at that is is pretty cool. And uh, and who knows where the book will go? I may change the plans, but currently the plan is law school in uh, 2024. Yeah, that's super super awesome. Um, so thank you so so much for coming on today, Noah. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation. Um, to all of our listeners. Make sure that you check out Noah's book, Learning to Live. Um, This is just a reminder 
to all of our listeners that if you or someone you know are struggling with mental illness or addictions or just need anybody to talk to, you can seek support and resources at one of the Grove Youth Wellness Hubs located in Guelph, Erin, Fergus, or Palmerston, Ontario. For hours and more information, visit www.thegrovehubs.ca. And do you have any final words, Noah? No, thanks for having me on, Noah. Perfect. Thank you. So thank you to all of our listeners today. Remember to take care of yourselves, and I hope that you have an amazing day.